listening to a Kink in the Chain podcast. Welcome to the Kink in the Chain podcast. I'm your host, Rope Squirrel, and as always, we have... <laughs> oh, Ritz Cracker. <laughs> Sorry. Did, did we break you, Ritzy? Yeah, we broke me. Sorry, oh. it's been a long day at work, and I don't know, I'm, I'm broken. But that's cool. But this is Ritz Cracker, here to join Rope Squirrel in a great little conversation. Yay! That's always fun. It's oh, great yes. to have you here. Yeah, of course. This couch is very comfortable. You're going to fall asleep on me through halfway through the podcast? We'll see. <laughs> 45 minutes can be a very long time. It can be. So, before we get into the show... So, before we get into the show, we have some exciting news, don't we, Ritzy? Yes, yes we do. Congratulations to us. We got some sponsors. Woo! Yeah, I Yay! like sponsors. So, our first sponsor is Motor Bunny at MotorBunny.com. Yep. So, if you go to our website and hit uh, support and sponsors, you are able to get $50 off with a coupon code. So that's super exciting. We were testing out their products today and we had a blast with the Motor Bunny. I really like their product. So if you're interested in looking what they have, that is a good one to check out. And the code for that Motor Bunny spot is KITC50 and that'll get you $50 off any Motor Bunny starter set which includes the Buck or just the regular Motor Bunny original. So if you're interested in getting one, you can save a little bit of money. In that particular case, we do not get any money. So this, this is just for you. We negotiated specifically for you so you can get a great product. We're also going to be reviewing that product at some point live on the air. I think we'll do kind of like a Howard Stern thing. That could be fun. That could be. We'll have to set that up. You riding a motor bunny while we are talking. That is going to be so much fun. Oh, me? Yeah, you. I mean, I, I guess I've got multiple. We could we could do like a three-way thing going on and, and have a lot of fun there. Yeah, because I, I tried it and I was playing Jenga. So we had two set up and we put the Jenga pieces in the middle. And we were trying to play Jenga while riding them. And that is a really fun event. So if you want to steal my idea, you are more than welcome to. Get to create games and scenarios out of them, which is a lot of fun to do in a kink event or I'll environment. I'll suggest to my marketing person that, that they that they, maybe they should come bundle it. That'd be awesome. On Amazon, you know, buy a motor bunny and customers also bought Jenga. That'd be, wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. We have another one, don't we? We do indeed. In addition, my listeners, we have another great sponsor as well, oxyshop.com. And if you go to our website and click on the banner that we have there for them, it will redirect you to their shopping page. And they have a variety of products. And anything you buy there helps support the show. Yay! Get some great gear and help us at the same time. And there's going to be more to come. So this week, my listeners, we have a wonderful article for you, like we always do. This week, we have an article from Swaddle.com, and in short, it goes into the idea that BDSM has numerous effects, which you and I already knew about, Ritzy. Yeah, we have. But it, it implies that by doing BDSM, you can develop more assertive skills at work, and particularly women can develop more assertive skills at work. They can take some of the skills that they learned through topping and apply them to their workplace. In essence, you can get things out of BDSM that you never expected. And I think it's really interesting. What do you think? 
So when I was reading the article, I was thinking about the advice that was given to me recently. I really suck at interviewing. So bad at it. I get nervous and I become this little sheepy submissive type of person who like fidgets and says um a bunch and doesn't really know the correct answer to things. I have to think long time to think of an answer instead of like going out and just directly say it. So what has been the advice given to me is to act like a dominant. Be a dominant in that room. Dominate those people in verbal sense. So I'm verbally dominating with my brilliance and my wording and my knowledge. Okay. So, but we're not talking about going so far as like pulling out a whip on the table. No, and no. Like, Give me the job! <laughs> no, even though sometimes I want to. No, <laughs> that does not happen. It's more like the presence. I have a very dominant presence when I'm in front of people and addressing questions or addressing information that I should know. I make sure that I study ahead of time, but I go in with a strong mind and be like, you're all my bitch now. <laughs> Wait, can I say that online? Yes. Okay, cool. You can say bitch all you Sorry. want. <laughs> I was studying the words you're not supposed to say on radio, and I was like, wait, this is a podcast. This is different. Yeah, we're listed as explicit on all the different things, so we don't have to worry about that. That's nice. Because I, I didn't want to have to censor myself if, if we were using, and I also don't want to censor our guests if they happen to come on. So, um, But anyway, uh, the interesting thing I thought about this article in particular, um, due to some research at the University of Northern Illinois, um, they found that BDSM actually alters blood flow patterns in the brain and it creates altered states of consciousness, which we already knew. We call it either subspace or top space or whatever you want to call it. Um, but some of these flows you can tap into at any point and actually use that to bolster your life. So if you tend to be somewhat mousy in life, you can tap into your dominant side and be a lot better at life. We already knew that BDSM had great health benefits. But uh, I think this is somewhat solidifies that idea and it really kind of shows us that science is showing us that BDSM is good for you. Yeah, it's for healthy brain patterns. Yes. So I've been working with a lot of brain work at work, like the knowledge and the psychological parts and how your brain, if you're constantly learning things or you're active learning something new like a different type of kink for example it actually helps your brain it produces new neurons like new branches that connect to each other so your brain is constantly growing when you're learning new things so i think it also not just helps with lifestyles but it also helps you mentally as well but anyway take a look at this article um because it is it demonstrates that doing bdsm can lead to uh lower levels of stress uh less self-consciousness and for some reason and I think I kind of understand why. Less aversion to risk, which I thought was an interesting finding. I think it's mostly because we get most of our risk requirement out when we're doing those scenes and then we don't feel as much need to be risky. We're doing risky things already, so it's like, okay, so then we don't have to you know, drive the wrong way down the freeway or whatever. Not that... But that's for an adrenaline rush not to be risky. Yes, I agree with you, Ritzy. That's a very short article, and it really applies to women which is a good thing because then women can use their knowledge and learn new application of how they can take BDSM into their lifestyle. So people who say they're 24-7 BDSMers, I've had people say, that's not a thing. But if you think about it, and I take what I've learned in BDSM or like that adrenaline rush or that subspace and I apply it to go with it and keep going with it into my workspace Finally, the, one of the last things I noticed that I thought was kind of interesting, and we again, this is stuff that we've already reiterated over and over again, 
People who practice BDSM usually have better mental health, less psychological stress, and more satisfying relationships, which we already knew. Uh, BDSM leads to an increase in communication in general. Yes, your 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 catchphrase, your catchphrase there <laughs> that, you're, that you always come up with communication because we have to talk to each other about what we're into, what our fetishes are, that kind of thing. Um, BDSM generally does lead to better relationships, and in this era of more gender awareness, I think more assertiveness in the workplace is certainly a good thing. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. Well, it also matters on the type of work and the environment you're in. But yes, if you want to work up your way up the ladder, then you, you need to be more of assertive and have an assertive presence so that people are noticing you and that you're able to get the job done properly. And so BDSM and being in a top space certainly helps you practice that in general. Yeah. But I've known people who are in a top space and go to a submissive space when they're in BDSM, though, because they need the break from it because they're so assertive at work. They don't want to be assertive in BDSM. So it can also go the reverse method, too, where you will take and use BDSM as a relaxer, as a like a different mind space than what you are having every day to day. Agreed. And I, I don't know about you, Ritzy, but things go through my head all day long about what I need to be doing and what you know all the different tasks i should be doing but the minute i get tied to a table or something like that all that just fades away because there's nothing i can really do about it at that point so i use it more as a relaxer sometimes too Hmm, interesting i torture people i work with so you know it's a lot of fun i make them do things that make me giggle (laughs) so yeah i'm a dominant at work are you sure that's not an evil laugh (laughs) yeah i can't evil laugh it's That, that's as good as we're going to get. All right. <laughs> well, my listeners, check out the article. It's it's quite the interesting read. And uh, let us know your comments. We'd love to hear them. And now, my listeners, as we do on the show, we get to your questions. Isn't that your favorite part, Ritzy? Actually, I do really enjoy answering the questions because I like helping people. Something I like to do in my spare time. So answering your questions, hopefully they're helping. If not, I'm not a therapist by profession, so hopefully you take my advice with a grain of salt. Indeed. So our first question comes to us from Janice from Iowa, and she writes, Where I live, the scene isn't very large, and as a result, we are a tight-knit community. And as a result, relationships form, and I met someone. He was into kink, as was I, obviously. We had a good chemistry and some common kinks. However, as things sometimes happen, we broke up. Nothing serious, just some incompatibilities. Since the scene is small, however, we both see each other frequently. It is uncomfortable to see him, and I often cannot play with him around. On the rare occasions that he misses a party, I have a blast, but if he shows up, I usually have to leave. How can I get over him? I wish I could just go to another event, but we are lucky to have the one as it is. So, even being in a large community like I am, in a large city, I still have this problem because I have dated several people that I go into parties with, and I still see them all the time. It takes a little bit of time, but I've learned to adapt and become like friends with them. Sometimes just play partners, but nothing sexual. I've done that with a few of them. Sometimes it's just like, hey, how are you doing? Cool. I'm going to go do my scenes now. So it really matters on the person and the situation that you're put into. But either way, it does take time to get over somebody. It does indeed. It's, and it can, I, and I'm, believe me, Janice, I, I understand 
where you're coming from. Seeing that other person that you had all that chemistry with that you were, I'm assuming, in love with at one point can be quite difficult. And at least at the beginning, seeing them happy can be somewhat devastating. It's obviously we want our, we want everyone to be happy, but it can be really hard if you're having a hard time, you see them smiling and laughing and, and being happy, like, Oh, I guess I wasn't that important to you then or whatever. And it can, that may not actually be what's going on. They may be just as miserable and just be trying to cover it as well, but you can see how you can feel that across the room where you're just like, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not too happy about this. So what can you do about this? Time, as they say, heals all wounds. We know that. Um, but the be- there's two things you can do. One, I-, I think the best option is to become friends with them. I think that's the best option because otherwise you're just going to be miserable every single time. And if they're going to be coming to the same events and there's no hope of going to a different event, I think that being friends is probably the best thing you can do. And if you didn't break up on bad terms, which you didn't indicate that you did, then I think friends is certainly a possibility, or at least acquaintances. Hi, how's you doing? How's your mama? And uh, move on. Um, the second thing is what I usually call the black hole. Um, I know some people in my community who's, it's the parents, and they have their kids in the scene, so this isn't quite the same thing. But as you can probably imagine, it's a little uncomfortable when the kids come to the events, and then their parents are there, and they're, you know, they're going to go and do their thing, and the kids are like, uh, I don't really want to see that. So I call it, we call it the black hole. It's like, so whatever corner that they're in, they don't exist. There's nothing there. It's just an empty hole from which no light escapes. It's just a black hole. And then you just completely ignore each other. Those are kind of the two main things. I don't really see a middle ground. Do you have anything to add to that, Ritzy? Well, sometimes it goes to the extreme as well. Like, it's a bad breakup. For example, I was dating a little mouse, and it was a good relationship until the lying and the cheating and the stealing of money happened. And then I got really angry, and we I threw him out of my house and broke up with him. And then after that, we still do go to the same parties. Um, for the first couple of times... I had to leave the building because I was actually going to physically hurt him if I saw him, like, punch him or something like that. That, again, takes a little bit of time. It was a little hard for me to get over it and to adjust and to adapt. Now I can walk in and be like, hello, and then that's about the the amount of wordage I give him. But I'm still professional, I guess is the best term for it. I took a work feeling towards it, even though it is a kink feeling and then i would do my scenes and pretend that he wasn't there yeah so it's a little combination of the black hole too but you were still somewhat cordial just like acknowledging his existence but then completely discounting him. yeah sometimes i didn't even have to acknowledge him because he was already in like a different corner and i went to the different side or to a different room or yeah i found a way to adapt and janice my other suggestion to you would be it's hard to say, I don't want to just say move on, but finding that next person in the scene, um, finding the people, and then planning something ahead of time, whether it be play partners, whether it be an actual relationship, coming to an event with a plan in mind can really help you ignore all the negative aspects because you have this overwhelming positive thing that you're about to do. Like, oh my God, I have this really exciting scene. I'm very excited. Let's do it. As soon as you're done, you're in subspace or top space, depending on what your dynamic is. You're doing the aftercare, and then you go home. And that person was not even a part of your life in any way, shape, or form. You are under no obligation to walk up to that person and acknowledge your, 
acknowledge them. You're not under no obligation to talk to anybody at any event that you go to, uh, except maybe the person at the door taking your money. But <laughs> any, other than that, you don't have to talk to anybody. So you go find that person you were going to play with, do your thing, and leave. And eventually that, that person will just drift into the background as, a, as another player. Or you can get a guard corgi. A guard corgi. Yes, you get a little corgi, train them to bark every time they see the person, or growl, or be aggressive, and you just put the corgi down in front of your scene and have it guard your scene so nobody comes in or out of your little space. Okay, so should I get an attack squirrel? Yes, yes you should. One little perch on my shoulder and yeah. go, kill, and it goes, meow, 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 meow. Yeah, Exactly. I think it's a brilliant idea. I, I do too. Um, but I guess it would be up to the person who owns the event or venue. So when you go, you have to make sure that dogs are allowed. I mean, we, we could get this corgi of yours like a little leather outfit, and then he'd fit in. We'd say that he's doing puppy play. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Human play, but if he's a puppy, he's doing human play. Oh, yeah. Doesn't that work? Yeah, it does. Okay. It is a kink. It's, you know, allergic reactions and stuff. Well, you know, people have support animals that they bring into clubs or into play places with the permission of the owner. Sure. And, yeah, that, that cute little... I, I don't know what to say to that. I'm kind of like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, like, you can bring a dog into a play space. This is a rant, by the way. Okay. You can bring a dog into a play space that's a service dog to train them to get used to the noises. Um, like the sex noises, because my friend has a service dog, and every time her and her partner would have sex, they would close the dog out, and the dog thought somebody was getting hurt, so she would actually t- like try to break down the door to protect her mm. from the sex noises. So she started taking her to the sex club because she wanted her to get used to the noises. I mean, there's going to be some pretty interesting noises at a dungeon, that's for sure. That's true. Well, Janice, I, I hope that helps. I... I-, I- I don't know how quite a corgi came into it, but I really hope that that, that answers your question. Uh, I, I guess support your local pound? I don't know. <laughs> next question. Our next question comes to us from Josh from Nevada. And he writes, I've been an introvert and shy all my life. It has been really hard for me to form relationships. Something that I know is that I love kink. My issue has always been approaching people for play. It's utterly nerve-wracking. I want to talk to people, but then I tense up and usually go home. How can I get through this and start to enjoy myself at events? <laughs> so my solution to this is to become friends with an extrovert. It's only one person, right? One extrovert. Since you're an introvert, you get friends with an extrovert. And what the extrovert does for you is do all the work for you. They find you play partners like, hey, come meet this person. And they introduce you to them and they set up a scene with you and then they go away or they compete in the scene. So if you befriend one extrovert, it makes an introvert's life so much easier. Indeed. If that doesn't work for you, the idea that I give to people is that is to wear a mask. And I don't mean an actual mask. I don't mean, you know, get a leather gimp mask or whatever. No. No, we're not talking about But that, that would actually work. Yeah, it very well could, but nobody would know who you are. So, if that's the point of hiding who you are because you're nervous, uh uh-huh. It could work. Okay, anyway, continue. I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> so the mask method was something that was taught to me a very long time ago. And what it involves is imagine that your hand is a mask and you're going to put it onto your face. So on the outside of your hand, you picture all the qualities that you want to exude to the outside world, whether it be confidence, uh, 
you know, humor, uh, joviality, whatever it is that you're looking for. And then you put on that mask. Now, don't walk around with your hand on your face the whole time. People think you're going to we- you're kind of weird, which defeats the whole purpose of the mask. But imagine that it's there. And what that lets you do is, as an introvert, you can pretend to be that extrovert. You're playing a role. Think of it as you're acting. But what ends up happening is, is as you start to talk to people, as you get used to and comfortable to people, you don't need that mask the next time. Or you need only half of it. You're doing Phantom of the Opera style or something. But you're only putting on one element. And finally, you can peel it off completely and be like, hey, I'm comfortable with you. If anybody else walks up, oh, snap that mask back on. But you can get comfortable with somebody, have those, the conversations that you're trying to do, and slowly reveal to them who you are. We're not talking about, you know, if you're, you don't want to do the absolute extremes. Like if you're extremely nervous, don't be extremely outgoing because they're going to, when you finally peel off that mask and they see that you're just kind of introverted, they may be like, whoa, this is not the person I met. But just use it to somewhat augment who you are. So I've been to the Nevada scene. Uh, It's a variety of other scenes as well. And in Nevada, especially in Sin City, I've noticed that they have a lot of munches. And the the good thing about munches is that you can go there without any limitations or restraint or anything like that. You're just going to have a meal with people that have similar interests. And even if you just sit there at the table, like the host will come and welcome you and then you'll sit down and you'll start eating. And then people just naturally talk to each other. They'll like, they'll introduce themselves to you. They'll get to know you a little bit and you'd be like, Hey, I need to have any, you know, interest, start a conversation. So that's, what I've noticed about the Nevada scene, if that helps for people in Nevada, but it's also in like the Colorado scenes. I've noticed they had munches, California, they have munches. So a lot of the major states that have kink, really large kink scenes actually have these munches, which work out for a lot of people. And in specifically for any event, uh, a recommendation that I give to people, talk to the whoever's running it first and foremost online. Just, you know, have a quick conversation so they know your name and then show up five to ten minutes early for the event. What that does is, because usually the person running it has to be there anyway, uh, assuming that it's a munch or something like that, you can walk in, they'll show you where to sit down. But what really helps then is that all the participants come in and sit around you. So if you show up late, now you're joining conversations that you were not part of. It's very awkward. It can be difficult. But if you show up early, the people then come and sit around you and start introducing themselves to you, and you become instantly part of the commu- of the conversations. That's good advice, too. I didn't think about that. Because I'm usually the extrovert at munches and at parties. So I go around trying to find people or start conversations with people. That's why I was giving the extrovert information in the beginning. Because I was like, if you talk to me, I will drag you around and be friends with you. And be like, hey, let's go go meet some people. And I'll introduce you to all the major players in the building that love to take on new players. Or love to play all the time with anybody. So... That's just an advice from an extrovert. And mine was advice from an introvert, for I am truly introverted. So, Which is surprising, since you do a podcast. Mm, and various other things in the community. That's true. He's the one that sets up these big little, little, one well, of big little events. He sets up events and runs them. So an introvert running events, it, it's a change. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of acting to pull some of that stuff off. So, uh, Josh, I really hope that that someone answers your question. There isn't, you know, some magic thing you can do, but with a little bit of practice, a little bit of acting, and a little bit of time management, i.e. getting there early to events, 
I think you'll have a lot better, uh, a better solution or better. I think you'll have a lot better of a time if you manage to do some of these. And of course, find an extrovert because extroverts are kind of your key to everything. Hmm. So use all of these to find that extrovert and then have that extrovert introduce you around because it's really, really easy after that. Yep. And most hosts at munches or events are extroverts or have an extrovert component. Our last question comes to us from Sarah from Washington. And she writes, I've been in a relationship for a while now, and she and I were very much in love, and I see this lasting a long time. However, she has a few kinks that I don't have any interest in sharing. It seems only fair that I let her go indulge those with others. However, when she does this, I get incredibly jealous. I shouldn't be because I'm not losing anything from her except her time. But there I am, jealous as heck of a kink that I'm not even interested in. How do I get over this? So you might be a fluffy top. A fluffy top? <laughs> That's how I say it. It's a person who tries to do play, even though they are not happy with the play, just to satisfy the bottom. Some people will do that type of playing where, okay, they'll play, yes, with things that they love, and then they'll do one or two things for their bottom so that their bottom gets the happiness even if they don't like it because you're truly not miserable because you're actually doing something with your partner um, unless it's like a red if it's a red then it's a completely different scenario but i'm just saying that's what a fluffy top does they uh make sure that they're happy they're doing things to make the other person happy okay in this case it sounds like she's not doing those things she's letting her person do it with other people Right, which is part of kink. It's like you can go play with other people, but you're not actually having a relationship with that other person. I can go into a club, walk, find a couple play partners, play with them, and then go home by myself and or go home to my partner. True. And Sarah, I think it's really great that you let your person play with other people. Um, I think I think we talked about this last episode, but jealousy is always the thing that can destroy a relationship easily. Um, so if you're constantly fuming about it, it's not going to bode well, generally, for the relationship. Um, but it's great that you let them go and do the things. So I think we're going to have to we're going to have to think about this in a different way. Are, if you're allowed to play with other people, which I assume you are, that seems only fair. Maybe though, on those nights you pick, she goes and does her thing, and then you go and do your own thing, and then you meet up at the end, and that way you don't have a chance to just sit there on the sidelines and fume about them doing something that you didn't want to do in the first place. So I top a lot of people. And I have top a lot of people for other people who sometimes have jealousy issues. Benefit of being a female, I'm topping another female. And they get less jealous. But afterwards, I don't do the aftercare. I hand off the aftercare to their partner and things like that. So you can always arrange with the person who they're playing with that you want to do a section of it. You want to do the aftercare or you want to take care of them after or you want to um, switch tops, I guess you can say. You can do a top switch halfway through so they get she fulfills that need and then you go in and finish up the scene. I've had people do that as well. So there's a lot of other variety of things that you can do to work with the jealousy. Hmm. I, I, that's a really good idea, actually. Um, or if that isn't an option with those people, uh, having the, what I would call the after aftercare, um, planned and as in like, you know, you go home and, you know, you have your fun time in bed or whatever it might be, um, that, you know, you go out, get your motor running, come back and, and then we'll finish things off here. 
try to try to make it so that you are the end of the night in some way, um, so that you feel that everything is building towards you instead of you doing something and then she goes away from you for a long time. So instead, she goes away, but she's coming back uh, toward the end. I think that'll really go take a uh, go a long way to alleviating some of your jealousy feelings. Right. I always like to use jealousy as a drive, like. You're going to have amazing sex afterwards or amazing passion kiss or something like that. Because that jealousy that you have built up, you're like, I want to prove it to her that I'm amazing. Indeed. So you can use it for your benefit too, not just a bad thing. So Sarah, I really hope that answers your question. Um, in short, just make it the end. Work work to, with your partner and try to figure out ways to incorporate yourself into the scene or make yourself the end of the scene. And I think that will really help toward alleviating your jealousy but i do want to applaud you in that uh letting your partner play with others even though you're jealous uh good, good on you that's really good because that that's really going to go a long way in your relationship well there my listeners that concludes our show for this week uh, next week we have a very exciting show it's going to be the first interview of our reboot isn't that exciting ritzy what i love interviews so we're actually going to be talking with puppy fifi and uh, she is a puppy play female who's been doing uh, this for a very long time, almost 30 years. She is currently a 24-7 slave to a married couple, and she was a professional dom, and uh, she's, she's going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm very excited to talk with her next week. We're going to talk about puppy play and a bunch of uh, things from her local community. This is somewhat of an interview that we were going to do at GLLA when we were going to be there. Spoiler alert, we were going to be there until that whole scene imploded. So I'm sure we're going to be talking about that part too. Also, my listeners, we have launched on a variety of new platforms. So we were already available on Apple and Google. We're also available on Spotify and SoundCloud now, as well as YouTube, which we were on there before. So if you've got a favorite podcast platform that we're not on, let us know. I would be happy to get us on there. I'm trying to put us on as many as we possibly can. Also, we have a new Patreon page. So if you would like to directly support the show, check us out. That's on our website. Click on Sponsors and Support, and you will see a nice shiny link to our Patreon page. If you really want to go all out, Ritzy has volunteered to send people gift boxes every month if they really want to. Or you can not spend quite that much and just direct a show or get our access to our priority email. We have a whole variety of perks we'd love you to check out. Yeah, show how much you appreciate our voices. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll uh, you know, get a proper recording studio at some point. <laughs> Instead of a couch and a mic. Yeah. But hey, <laughs> it works. So that's our show. And as always... Stay kinky, my friends. Check us out on the web at kinkinthechain.com. Follow us on Twitter at KinkChainShow or call us at 804-404-KINK. We don't bite unless you ask nice. Have feedback or want to submit a question for a future show? Send your emails to podcast at kinkinthechain.com.